Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Been very gratified by a lot of the reaction that I've gotten to the my thoughts on Bob Knight and his passing, and including what I uh, posted on uh, Twitter, now known as X, last night. You should be with me on all of these social media because we do a lot of our hanging out and conversating there. My address is the same everywhere. It's at ESPN Greeny, Greeny with a Y on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Threads. So, Bubba, you are back now. We were just going through a couple of other things there in uh, for a few moments. I know you had to step out. No hembo today, but Bubba and Cam are here. We're holding it down, and I read something that just made me laugh. I'm sorry, what? what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? Sometimes people say things because they have to. Right, Bubba? I mean, there are some things you just have to say. Sure. Like if someone asks you, do, do I look nice in this? You don't say, no, it doesn't suit you. Well, Hembo would. Hembo probably would. But Let me mo- ask you a question. Most people would. So, so, so who, you don't have a, you know, you're, you're not a married man. Right. You, you, don't, you don't, to my knowledge, have a, an important, significant other in your life, unless there's something going on I don't know about. At it. the moment, no. At the moment, no. So, so let's just say, I don't know, do you have a sister? I do. Okay. If your sister like buys something to wear and puts it on and asks you what she what you think of it, if she has already paid for it, now it's one thing if you're in the store right. with her and and she says, "Do you like this?" That's the time to say no. But once you have not done that, you must forever hold your peace. Sure. Do you believe as I do that whether you think so or not, you say she looks great in it? Yeah, I think that's the appropriate and normal way to go about things. So do I, and that is my connection to Lawrence Frank of the Los Angeles Clippers. He was a coach for a while, and he's now been an executive in the NBA for a while. Um, He is the president of basketball operation of the Clippers. And upon the arrival of James Harden, he said, quote, James has an elite skill set, and all he cares about is one thing. He wants to win a championship. Now, I'm going to cut Lawrence Frank some slack because that's exactly what he has to say. That is like saying you look nice in this, even if you look absolutely awful in it. But if there's one thing we know for certain about James Harden, it is that he cares about a lot of things besides winning a championship. The title of the story, the headline on the story actually says, James Harden ready to sacrifice for title. Has James Harden ever done a lot of sacrificing that you've been aware of? Again, I don't mean to harp on this. He's not the only person in the NBA who has had these sorts of things. But I am just, I do find it a tad galling when someone like him continues to bully his way. I don't know what other other word there is. In Houston, he ate his way out of these situations while being paid tens of millions of dollars as a professional athlete. And now every place he goes, they welcome him with these same open arms. So let me give you some quotes from the past. James Harden was traded to the 76ers February 15th, 2022. He said, I'm just happy and blessed that I'm here. As Doc and everybody knows and everybody wants, the goal is to win a championship. I'm excited for the opportunity. Well, he was a big part of the reason they didn't win a championship, and then he immediately got Doc fired. On Doc Rivers, he said, one of the best coaches to ever coach the game of basketball. Why wouldn't I want to be led by that? Well, the one thing we know 
is that he didn't want to be led by that. He didn't like Doc. He didn't like the fact that Doc wouldn't just capitulate to him wanting to do everything he wanted to do. And again, he got Doc fired as quickly as he could. So that was what he said when he got to the Sixers. But hold on, there's more. 13 months before that, he went to the Nets. And after his first game, he said, I hope you can tell by my smile and my play that I'm excited for the opportunity. I'm very unselfish. I'm going to do whatever it takes to win. I'm so excited for Kyrie to get back. He's a key piece to what we are trying to do. Well, he hated Kyrie, and he got himself out of there as quickly as he could. The whole thing was an epic disaster. It was one of the worst and most embarrassing episodes that any professional sports franchise has had in recent memory was what became of the Brooklyn Nets of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and James Harden. And so now the story is, quote, James Harden ready to sacrifice for title. So, Bubba, just hold on to those. Just cut those clips. Clip those off and be ready. And when this inevitably falls apart and he winds up somewhere else to finish his career, we'll go back and right. read what he said when he got to the Clippers. Well, I mean, when, I, when I'm hearing this, it reminds me of uh, a great quote from uh, George Bush, which I just put on your screen up there. Oh, let me see. Uh, here it is. There's an old saying in Tennessee. I know it's in Texas, probably in Tennessee, that says, fool me once. Shame on Shame on you. It fooled me. We can't get fooled again. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even remember that. What, what is that from? I don't remember what he was even talking about, Neither but the I. point is, I mean, I think it's, it's on all of us in any of these teams, though, because these quotes illustrate it perfectly. Yes. They, everyone just says the same thing every single time. So happy to be here. The coach is great. I'm great. I want to win. And then it blows up. He goes to another team, and the same thing happens. So, I mean, you know, can't get fooled again. As President Bush said, he knows. We are now being fooled five times. Fool me five times. Shame on me. Look, remember him when he got to Philadelphia, Daryl Morey meeting him at the plane, the two of them engaging in a huge hug? A year later, James Harden said, I will never play for that guy again as long as I live. Remember him talking about how he wanted to be coached by Doc Rivers because he was one of the great coaches of all time? The second their season ended last year, he got Doc fired. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. That's what happened. So again, to your point, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me five times, the shame unquestionably, ultimately, comes around to me. Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio. A reminder, you can listen to our show on the ESPN app. You can watch us on the ESPN app as well. You click on the button that says watch. You find hashtag Greeny, and you can spend your time with us. You can listen on the app. You can listen on Sirius XM Channel 80. You watch, as I mentioned, on the app. We are also a podcast. Both hours of the show are available as a podcast. Uh, wherever you get your podcast, it's called Greeny, again, if you wanted to hear, if you weren't with us and you wanted to hear my lengthy thoughts on Bob Knight, I did them about 20 minutes into hour number one today, if at some point you have the chance and you would like to listen. All right, next order of business. The Scoop. All right, so we talked yesterday, Bubba, a lot about the Michigan sign-stealing thing. And um, as Jim McElwain called him, the Michigan sign-stealer guy. And we laughed a lot because the whole story is hilariously funny. I, I, don't, I don't really know how else to react to it. But there's also the serious side of it, which is to say it does appear we have a cheating scandal with one of the preeminent programs in the country 
and definitively one of the best teams in the country and highest profile coaches in the country. And while I'm on record as saying I do not think stealing signs should be against the rules, I am very well aware that they are, and I do not condone breaking the rules, even if you disagree with them. So while we have laughed a lot at this, and I don't apologize for that, because again, much of it is kind of funny, we should acknowledge that it is also a big deal. And with that thought in mind, I read you this story from our Pete Thamel. During a video call with the Big Ten Commissioner Tony Petiti, the vast majority of Big Ten coaches expressed their frustrations with the ongoing sign-stealing investigation at Michigan and encouraged him to take action against the university. The coaches laid out to Petiti just how distinct of a schematic advantage Michigan has held the last three years by illegally obtaining the opposition signals ahead of time, as has been alleged. The Big Ten technically has authority under its sportsmanship policy to punish Michigan or members of its coaching staff. Sources described Petiti as listening carefully to the coaches, but not tipping his hand in what direction he may go. Now, I am a Big Ten alum. The Big Ten will always be my conference. I've always told you that when in doubt, I root for the Big Ten, which is to say in the NCAA tournament or whatever the case may be, if there's two teams playing and I don't otherwise have a rooting interest in the game, I always root for the Big Ten school. That's just how I have been since I got to Evanston, Illinois in 1985. So the Big Ten matters to me a lot. I don't know Tony Petiti. I know of him, of course, as everybody in the sports world does, and I know he is very highly regarded. He is an extremely well-respected person. But Bubba, help me with this. When we say Petiti is not tipping his hand in which direction he may go, what exactly are his options? How does he say, you know, I'm aware this investigation is going on. I'm aware there's an enormous amount of evidence that suggests we have a cheating scandal here. But I'm going to choose to do absolutely nothing about it. How does he justify that? What part of this am I missing? What choice does he have but to conduct some sort of investigation on his own and be a part of finding out what's happening in his conference? Right. Well, I I think he pretty much has to now because I was surprised the coaches really came out and and did this because if, if you really think back... Most coaches, honestly, have not really said much, and 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 really, you've heard like Dion and and other coaches say like, oh, well, it's really not that much of an advantage." And 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 honestly, I, and the reason I think that, and I'm not saying because Dion and these other people are, are sign stealing, but I just think these type of advantages are happening in other schools, and they don't want to come out and just come out hard on one other, you know, team. So I was actually surprised that these other Big Ten schools are coming together and saying this because I would just say, you know, if once one investigation happens, the other schools better watch out because I'm assuming that, you know, it's all the evidence right now seems to indicate that Michigan is certainly doing something wrong, but I can't imagine they're the only school that is doing something wrong, which is why I think most college coaches have been pretty quiet about this. If anything, they've kind of defended Harbaugh. So that, but now if the, if the, these coaches have come together, united front, the commissioner has to do something, like you said. And I don't know what if it even will be this year. That's why I think no matter what happens this year, the, the season will finish and Harbaugh will just go away to the NFL, Chargers, Raiders, wherever it is, and it'll be like a classic case of the NCAA, what normally happens 
all these sanctions and things will come down and it'll hurt the players who are, who are there later and you know it won't impact Harbaugh at all. Greeny live at the Seaport brought to you by Grey Goose. That's Bubba. I, I, I see it much the same way. What you're saying is these guys better be careful if they have skeletons in their own closet. The fact that they're willing to go this far suggests maybe they don't, or at least suggests that they don't have skeletons that are this scary, which is to say maybe everyone's doing a little bit of cheating. Everyone or cheating might be a, uh, it's an inflammatory word. Everyone is trying to gain an edge however they can, but that Michigan has taken it well beyond what is normal. Right. This is well beyond the if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Again, I'm, I'm not here to tell you I know that one way or the other. It certainly looks that way. Again, I have no idea. I suppose he can say, well, the NCAA is doing its investigation. We'll wait and see what they do. But Tony Petiti and the Big Ten offices have to represent all the schools. So while part of their job is to defend Michigan against outside forces, they also represent the other teams in there, and Michigan is greatly outnumbered. Now, I don't, I don't see how this ends well. The, the thing is, I just don't know when it ends. I, I agree with you, Bubba. This thing will not be adjudicated. No investigation will be complete, and no action will be taken by anybody, whether it is the NCAA, the Big Ten, or any other body. None of them will take any sort of action against Michigan until after this season has played to its completion. So this, the, the, the semifinals, the CFP playoff games this year, I believe are on the 1st. Um, I think they're on January 1st this year, which is a Monday. I, they, they have been on the New Year's Eve for the last couple of years, but I think I, I'm almost positive they're on the Monday this year because the NFL has the Sunday. So whatever that is, January 1st, that's t- almost exactly two months away to the day. Is there any world in which in the next two months – this thing is settled. They, they complete an investigation and decide what they're going to do about it. Very hard to picture. So if Michigan beats Ohio State and beats Penn State, they're going to be in that. They're going to be playing in those games on January 1st. They're going to be in one of those games. And is that a bad look for the sport? It's going to be interesting to see how they handle it, to see how the coverage of it um, is handled, to see how Michigan handles it. You know, what do they know? What does the university know? They suspended the guy, Connor Stallions. Are they going to try and make it seem like he was acting on his own? Is it possible he was acting on its own? Seems very, very hard to picture. So there are a lot of machinations left to be had of this story. But I think, Bubba, at the end, I agree with you. It will end with Harbaugh coaching his team as far as it goes this year, and I wouldn't put it past him to win the championship, and then departing for the NFL where if I had to bet on it, I would bet he will be the coach of the Chargers next season. In the meantime, there's another college football story that has Bubba irate, and you'll hear about it next on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. 
Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast. All right, Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio. We've talked a lot about the Michigan sign-stealing controversy because it is just flat fascinating. But there's a different situation going on in college football that has Bubba just as obviously upset. And in 30 seconds, you'll hear what it is. That's after this word from Granger. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? All right, so every now and again, we make rules that serve no purpose. That's the thing that bothers me. I don't mind decisions that I disagree with so long as there is some sensibility behind them. This came up in a different subject matter yesterday. But as I bring Bubba in here to explain to you what it is that bothers him about this one story in college sports, just bear in mind that sometimes people make decisions you disagree with. And that's fine. That's life. I don't mind disagreeing with a person's decision. What makes me upset is when their decision makes no sense, when there is absolutely no rationale behind it that could possibly explain it. And so I want you to have that in the back of your mind as Bubba explains to you this story. Yes, let me tell you about the James Madison Dukes, the football team. They are currently 5-0 and in the Sun Belt, the only undefeated team in their conference. They are 8-0 and overall. They have wins on the road at Virginia. They also won on the road at Utah State. They are ranked number 23 in the AP poll, but they are not found anywhere in the college football playoff rankings because they are in their second year from moving up from the FCS, and the NCAA has a rule where you can't play in a bowl in your first two years when you move up divisions, what you know, whatever it is. So, yeah. so they moved up. up from the FCS and moved up to the FBS and are essentially dominating. They're 8-0. They're great. They've won legit road games. They've played great teams. They're ranked in the top 25 on the AP. And they're, they're literally the college football playoff rankings, I think, are told to ignore them because they can't play in a bowl. And they, they, will, they very well will, might win the Sun Belt, but they won't be allowed to play in the Sun Belt championship. So, you know, like a 4-4 four and four team might make the championship instead, and they won't be allowed to play. We have this exact same scenario in the NCAA tournament with Merrimack in the Northeastern Conference. They were not allowed to play in the NCAA tournament because they also moved up 
and they have a rule where they couldn't. So it's just unnecessarily punishing players and teams for essentially moving up and playing better and succeeding. It's ludicrous. Now, you might say to yourself, I don't care about the James Madison football team, and that's fine. I'm not telling you that you should. But here's what I am telling you. It is that sometimes we make rules that benefit no one. What am I missing? James Madison moves up from FCS to FBS. For those of you who don't follow the terminology of college football, essentially they move up from Division II to Division I. The NCAA has a little-known codicil in the NCAA College Constitution, which is an Animal House reference. They have a little-known rule that says in the first two years, when teams move up from Division II to Division I, they're not allowed to, to participate in the postseason. This team is ineligible to play in a bowl game, even though they are far and away the best team in their conference. As Bubba told you, they're a top 25 team in the country, according to the Associated Press poll. They're unbeaten. They're 5-0 and in their conference. They're 8-0 and overall. And they're not eligible to play because someone would be greatly damaged by that. You may ask yourself, who? It's an excellent question. I'm fearful that the answer is no one. No one would be hurt by James Madison, the best team by far in their conference, getting the opportunity to represent their conference in a bowl game. Instead, as Bubba said, let some team that winds up being 7-5 and five wind up getting that bid solely because they've been around longer. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. No one is arguing they should be in the college football playoff. We're not saying put them in there instead of Michigan, but let them play in a bowl game which they have richly, will have richly earned and deserved, and for a rule that makes no sense. That's a go back to what I started the conversation with. I don't mind if you make a decision I disagree with. That's what makes the world go around. You have your opinions. I have my opinions. I want to hear yours. I want you to explain to me why you think I'm wrong because only one of two things can happen. A, I will feel as though I am solidified in my opinion, I will feel all the more certain of my stance, or B, I will learn something. I will learn from you. I will say, oh, you know what? In actuality, he's right and I'm wrong. And that's how we grow as human beings. That's how we get better. So disagreeing with a decision is one thing. This is one that makes no sense. Bubba and Cam, you are both very smart people. Many people don't know this. But we have one of the most, um, I mean, academically achieved collections on this, the hashtag crew. Cam, many of you do not know this, but he has recently completed, and I know you don't like to brag about it, but you, you, know, you recently completed uh, you, this, this tour that you did at Oxford where you have uh, multiple degrees from there, and you are currently getting a, a PhD um, you know, in geology. And, and so, I mean, you're an extremely academic and well-learned person. And, of course, Bubba's one of the most accomplished people we know. Help us figure this out. What is the rule? What, what is the reason they give next to the rule? Next to every rule in a rule book, th- there should be some unwritten explanation of why it is necessary. Like holding is against the rules in football because if I can just hold you, it's much too easy for me to move you from one place to another. What is the reason that anyone could offer why it is beneficial to anyone that a team that moves up to Division One cannot participate in the postseason for two years. 
it's almost like they don't consider that they'd even be able to do that. Like they just put it in place without thinking about the reality of the fact that they could be good enough to do so. They just expect them to need some kind of transition time. I don't know if there are other rules in place to help them with that transition. And the byproduct of that is they're not allowed to be eligible for this stuff, but they just assume that they're not going to be good because they're moving up in class. And then when they are good, they're like, well, we have this rule. So you guys can't really be eligible for this stuff, even though it doesn't make sense. And we put it in the first place in there for a different reason. It's all all the more reason why you should actually do the opposite. Yeah. We should be celebrating the accomplishment of this little engine that could kind of team. That's what makes all of us love sports in the first place. Bubba, do you I know you're the one who raised this. I was not aware of this till you brought it up. And I do remember right. you brought it up the Merrimack example before March Madness last year. Can you think of a reason why this is beneficial? I mean, yeah, the only thing I'm trying to find an actual reason for the rule and the only thing I'm finding right now is the intention of the rule is to help programs get acclimated to building a FBS program. But that doesn't I don't see how that's helping. Like if you're good enough to play, then play. It's not like it's mandatory that you play in a bowl. I don't. I don't understand that rationale. So that's what it says. The intention of the rule is is to help programs get acclimated. But I don't even understand what we're, we're going to help you that acclimate to the season by not allowing you to play a full season if you qualify for a bowl game. Yeah, like if it, if it, if James Madison came in and went three and nine, they'd be like, all right, cool. You didn't make a bowl game. Of course you didn't. But if they went. 12 and 0, they should be I don't I don't understand. That's the only thing I've seen so far. You're not ready for the big leagues yet. It seems to me that the NCAA, you know, I remember when Dr. Mark Emmert became what was he the chairman what, what was the what is the actual title the the it's not the president whatever the, the the commissioner whatever the top person at the NCAA is. He came to Mike and Mike and we sat he with him. He was the president. It was president, president of the NCAA which is now, he's the former governor of Massachusetts, right? Has that job now? Um, whatever. The point is, I remember when Dr. Emmert came and he sat with us and we talked at length. When he first took over the job and we threw all these questions at him about ways in which students, athletes weren't allowed to do this and allowed to do that and all these rules that didn't seem to make any sense. And he said, guys, I hear you. Give me a little time and I will address this. This rule book is so incredibly thick and we have to take a bunch of things out of it. He said all the right things. Now, of course, he did none of that. But that was what he said his intention was to do. That's what they should be doing now. And in the interest of good PR, in the interest of, of, of good faith, in the interest of showing that you can actually do something that benefits people, why wouldn't they just remove this rule? Like, this seems like the easiest decision to make in the world. Who would be objecting to this? Just snap your fingers and it could be gone. Just get an eraser. Get some white out. Just take it out of the book and say, you know what? On second thought, that didn't make any sense. Not helping anybody. Let's get on with our lives and go on from there. That's what they should do. All right, Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com next. Just going to sit back and have a little story time. Tell me a story. That's not the one I meant to hit, but it'll work just fine for this. Um, This is a funny little story that you guys say for me here. I did not hear this happen. But in the game between the Jazz and the Nuggets in Denver on Monday, someone spilled beer on the radio broadcast equipment, and thus the radio broadcasters were unable to be on the air for about half the first quarter. The Jazz play-by-play guy, David Locke, tweeted, Apologies, 
A guy just spilled a beer all over our radio engineer's controls, and so we are unable to start with the game on the broadcast, hopefully up shortly. That's a pretty terrible thing to happen, isn't it? I mean, it's a very nice tweet from David Locke showing a lot more, um, uh, a, a lot more restraint than I feel like I would have. I think I would have included the word, some idiot just spilled a beer on our stuff, and I am now unable to bring you this broadcast. I, I think he shows pretty remarkable restraint there, Bubs. Yeah, I mean, and it's funny, too, because it, it wasn't like they were off the air completely. It wasn't like they went to commercial. My understanding, too, was like basically for the entire half quarter, you just heard the game, but without any broadcaster. <laughs> so it was basically just nat sound of players, of dribbling, sneakers, the hardwood of players yelling, but you just didn't hear the announcer. So it was basically just like old school uh, a game. But, yeah, I'm surprised he wasn't more mad. I'm also confused of how this person spilled the beer. Obviously, the announcer is going to be right on the court, but, you know, I don't know. Like, did the guy trip? Get yeah, fall or trip? trip. I mean, yeah. Did did Larry David uh, trip the guy? Like like in curb? I don't like. Was this sabotage? Was uh, yeah, someone trying to sabotage the Nuggets broadcast? Uh, yeah, Jazz. They were playing in Denver, so it wasn't a home broadcast. So yeah, was it a, a Nuggets fan who was just walking by and all of a sudden went? Just poured his oops. Here's my contribution to the game. I can knock out the jazz radio broadcast. Yeah, that'll teach him. That'll probably do something. You know what it reminds me of? It's not really the same. In fact, it isn't the same at all. Mike and I were doing the the radio broadcast of the draft. What was the year? Oh, it was 2004 because it was the year of Eli Roethlisberger and Philip Rivers. And going into that draft, everyone knew that Eli Manning and the Mannings didn't want uh, Eli to go to San Diego, but it wasn't quite clear how that was going to work out. So when Eli's name gets called, when he gets drafted, this was back when the draft was still at Radio City. This was before it started getting moved around. So Mike and I are sitting there doing the draft. You know, we're doing all the stuff for ESPN Radio, as we did for several years. And all of a sudden, Paul Tagliabue comes walking out onto the stage And he's going to make some sort of announcement. But there's a lot of um, confusion going on up there. This was, I guess, after Rivers was picked by the Giants. And and there's obviously a lot going on. And I'm trying to describe it. This is a radio audience. On television, you can just show it. And I'm sure Chris Berman at that moment was just saying, look what's going on here. It's not clear what it is. Obviously, something is happening. But I don't have that luxury as the radio announcer. I need to describe to people what's happening. And our engineer whose name I will not give because I don't want all these years later to embarrass him again, but he was the guy who was engineering our broadcast. It's Mike, me, and this one other guy stands up directly in front of me because he's trying to see what's going on. He is directly in front of me, completely blocking my vision of what is happening on the stage. I cannot stand up because we are wearing headsets that the cords are not long enough So I have to remain seated, and I am desperately trying to see around him to see what's going on up there on the stage, and that is how we missed the trade of Philip Rivers for Eli Manning that year. It was not until they announced it that I knew what had happened. So that was what happened. In 2004, we were self-sabotaged because someone stood up in front of us, and we could not see a thing, and thus... We were aware something was going on, but until they announced it, we did not know what it was. How about that? <laughs> I remember hearing that story in the past. That that's great. It's 
That's, that's just, I can imagine being in that in that moment, knowing how crazy it is, and just seeing that person stand up. And I think I know who it is, and seeing that person stand up, and just imagining you and, and Golik's reaction with him standing up, and you guys just missing such a, a seminal moment in NFL history. You guys having no idea what's going on. It's a, it's such a it's just such a funny visual of seeing this person standing in front of you guys missing the trade. It's so funny to think of. It was the weirdest day too, because you know, like it's Eli, so it's not he's he's. He's as famous as any college football player coming in could possibly be, not be necessarily because of his accomplishments in college, although he was very good, but because it's Peyton who's there and Archie is there and all the buildup had come about how he didn't want to be there. So everyone kind of knew something might happen. In fact, when they originally announced him as the pick of, if you see, you go back to the legendary pictures, he's wearing a San Diego Chargers hat. He was drafted by the Chargers and he's got a look on his face like something really, really weird is going on. You just knew that was in the air that something was going to happen. But to be honest, as, I, as I'm as i remembering this, and it's a long time ago, so I'm doing this from memory, I don't think we knew exactly what was going to happen. We knew that the Giants, that he wanted to be on the Giants. I don't think going in that the storyline was they're going to do this swap. I think Eli was, the the Manning family was trying to get the Chargers not to take him. And, and then that maybe, I don't know how they worked this thing out after the fact, but one way or another, that, that was what wound up, uh, obviously what wound up happening in history was thus written. It, it's going to be a great story to write someday. That draft, Cam, if you were to rank those players in order, Eli Manning, Philip Rivers, and Ben Roethlisberger, the order in which they were drafted was Manning, then Rivers, then Roethlisberger. Obviously, Manning and, and Rivers were swapped on that day. If you were to rank them now with their careers all finished, in what order would you put them? Uh, probably Roethlisberger, Manning, then Rivers, but it still depends how you're quantifying that because Roethlisberger and Manning have the same amount of rings. But Roethlisberger, besides the San Antonio Holmes play, didn't play that great in a lot of the playoff games, whereas Manning was the complete opposite, threw a bunch of picks in the regular season, and then postseason he was like the greatest player ever. And Rivers, just like you know, just like what will probably happen to Justin Herbert, great player until the f- final five minutes of the fourth quarter. So those guys are all really close to each other, but such an interesting draft with those three being such uh, key pieces at the center Well, the of it. way you – because you, you, you framed it well – if you ask me which one was the best player, I'd say Rivers. <laughs> I thought Rivers was the best player of the three. He, of course, won by far the least. Eli had two of the great postseason runs in the history of the sport. Outside of that was a good NFL regular season quarterback and never won a playoff game in any other year. Roethlisberger, I think, was the combination of the two. He was a better regular season quarterback than uh, Eli, and he had infinitely more postseason success than Rivers did. It goes to show you the most important thing that happens in the draft is where you wind up. It's not what number you get picked. It's what team winds up taking you. And with that thought in mind, coming up next, the saddest statistic that one NFL team will ever have. That's after this on ESPN Radio. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, 
We know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Greeny, the podcast. Previously on Greeny. My computer all of a sudden said some sort of technical problem. And Brandon yells over to me, do you want me to call MEO? And I said, oh, what the hell is MEO? And he said, I don't know. When you asked me what is MEO, I kind of asked you that question right back. And then we were at a standstill. <laughs> you asking it back to me is not accomplishing anything. Could be reverse psychology. My wife, I love her to death, beautiful woman. She is a school psychologist. And that's why I lose the majority of the arguments. <laughs> What's her name again? Brandon. Brett. No, her name. Oh. I know your name. <laughs> you said your name. You thought I didn't know your name? <laughs> Got me on that one. This is Greeny. We just have a lot of silly stuff going on around here. I mean, I, there are days that I wonder how I manage this. I really do. But I'm holding together just a, a collection of, of characters here. Anyway, delighted that you are with us here. Hashtag Greeny with the hashtag crew. Uh, Hembo has the day off, but Bubba and Cam holding it down all day today. Brandon hanging around as always. I had lengthy thoughts on the passing of Bob Knight one of the legendary figures in the history of American sports and a man that I came to know a little bit late in his life. Um, And those, if if you'd like to hear them, because it was long and and it's not something I wanted to do twice in the show, um, we do have the podcast. And if you go find the podcast, it, it came about 20 minutes into the first hour and we did about 20 minutes on Coach Knight and his passing yesterday at the age of 83. I've said many times, you know... When you live to be that long and you accomplish as much as he did, there's obviously sadness in the day, but it also is a day to celebrate a person's life. There are many people who didn't like Coach Knight, and and so celebration might not be the right word. But one way or another, we commemorate his life and his accomplishments. I don't like to, I wouldn't want to do this on the day after he dies, but at some point, we should have a conversation, Bubba, about if we were putting together a Mount Rushmore of the greatest coaches in the history of American team sports, would he be on it? I think he probably would just miss. Again, it's not a day to start comparing this one to that one, but that's a conversation I'd like to have in the next few days. In the meantime, I promised you one of the most depressing statistics I could ever imagine a team having. So the Las Vegas Raiders are a mess, right? They are an unqualified mess. They got obliterated by the terrible Bears last week. Then they go and they lose on Monday Night Football and look just awful doing it in Detroit. They now turn around and on a short week, they fire their general manager, they fire their head coach, they fire their offensive coordinator, and they bench their starting quarterback to turn to a rookie in Aiden O'Connell. And with all of that on a short week, they are favored over the Giants by a point and a half. That, that is a sad state of affairs if you were the New York Giants. That, that is about as disrespected as you can possibly be. And I tell you what, now look, the Giants just traded away Leonard Williams. Um, so maybe what I'm about to say doesn't apply quite as much anymore. But that Giant defense has been really good the last few weeks. They held Buffalo to 14 points. They held the Jets to basically nothing last week. The defense has been pretty good. So that's not an easy game that Aiden O'Connell is going to have out there. But again, if, 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 well, again, I'll go back to this. I, I think Daniel Jones is supposed to play. If Daniel Jones plays this game, Bubba, how do the Giants not win? 
Right. I mean, that's the thing. Obviously, right now, this line is, is based on, I guess, theoretically, Tommy DeVito playing. But even with that, I just feel like all these th- we just met GM, head coach, offense coordinator, bench their quarterback. The, to me, this is almost more embarrassing than what every other thing that's happened to the Giants so far. The Cowboys lost, the, the Seahawks. I mean, how can you be a one and a half point underdog to the Raiders who are a complete and absolute dumpster fire? Whether or not Tommy DeVito is your quarterback, like he, if Tom, Tommy DeVito is your quarterback and you're saying like he can't throw, then that's your all that's your issue to begin with. Right? Yeah, he shouldn't be on your roster. You shouldn't if have you had a guy that can't yeah, throw yeah, the that, ball. That makes no sense. Now, again, the game that he played in last week against the Jets was a against an elite defense and b in monsoon like conditions. Right. So I have to believe they'll be a little better than that, but maybe not a lot better than that. We will see how it goes. All right, the scoop. The scoop. NFL viewership through week eight, up 17.3 million people average watching these NFL games, the highest average through week eight since 2015. Since the start of the 2023 NFL season, NFL games are 48 of the top 50 shows on television. Do you happen to know what the other two are? Like, what what are the other two that have snuck in there since the start of the 2023 NFL season. So going back to mid-September, what else has been on television that people would have watched that would have snuck in amongst all the football games? Because there have been more than 48 football games, so something must have jumped, something has to have jumped in there and been with them. I, I really wonder what they could be. Could it have been one of the baseball games? I know the LCSs did very well, I wonder if one of the baseball games snuck in there and is one of the, the highest ratings or, or you know, two of the LCS games. We had a game seven in Philadelphia. I'm, do you, are you guys looking this up? I don't know if it's something we Trying can find, find in the time we have left. Checking yeah. it out. It's probably just like a rerun of Seinfeld or something. No, it's probably not. It, sometimes these things – that's what I was trying to think. Have there been like a live award show? Like the things that do very well are things like the Oscars, the Grammys, and things like that. But those aren't – They haven't been since September, right? So what has been on television? In fact, many shows haven't even been on television because of the writer's strike. So one way or another, 48 of the top 50 shows have been uh, football games going back to the start of this season. It's an incredible number. it, It is a juggernaut the likes of which American entertainment has never seen. I don't think anything has ever been more popular than the National Football League is right now. And I think it only figures to go further in that direction as we go. Hashtag KOD. The Kiss of Death. All right, while you're looking that up, I'll give you my pick. Titans at the Steelers tonight to kick off week nine on the NFL schedule. Pittsburgh is a two and a half point favorite at home. There's a question on my screen here that says, if Will Levis performs well tonight, is that the end of Ryan Tannehill as an NFL starter? My guess is the answer is yes. I believe he will, the rest of his career, only be a starter if someone else gets hurt. I think Levis becomes the starting quarterback in Tennessee. Tannehill certainly has a job in the NFL as long as he wants one, but I don't think he goes in anywhere as a day one starter next year. As far as tonight is concerned... I have no idea what to make of this game. I, I keep calling. I've, I'm making the name Tomlin a verb. The Steelers have Tomlined their way to four and three. They didn't look particularly good last week, but their defense against a rookie quarterback making only his second career start. I think I'd like the Steelers. 
I, I think I like Pittsburgh to win that game and cover the two and a half. So the official KOD pick will be Steelers minus two and a half against Levis and the Titans tonight. You guys would quickly agree or disagree, Bubba? I agree. You like the Steelers? Yes. And Cam? Levis is going to come down to earth. I think the Titans win. I like Levis. I don't think this will be about him being bad. I thought he should have been a high first-round pick. I think he will be a really good player. But I think the Steelers find a way to tumble in their way to a fifth win tonight. See you tomorrow, same time, same place, on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN, and also available wherever you get your podcasts. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.